This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. Welcome to the top 10 Bobby Cast of 2022. My name is Mike D, producer of the Bobby Cast. And on part one, I'll be taking you through numbers 10 through 6. These are the interviews we love the most, the ones you interacted with the most online. And the episodes that if you miss them in their entirety, we highly encourage you to go check out these full hour-long conversations. So let's kick it off with number 10, JT Harding. He has an energy that is infectious, and you're well aware of his energy from the very first word he says on this interview. He has an amazing story, a great outlook on life, and is a really great dresser. So here is JT Harding from episode 355, talking about some of his cuts as a songwriter and the time he opened up for Lincoln Park. Keith Urban, somewhere in my car Woo! from 2014. You wrote that with Keith? Yes, with Keith. And uh, do you know how I met Keith Urban? You probably do. Too don't. early for Bumble. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. I was just going to speculate. <laughs> Too early yeah. for Bumble. Go ahead. Uh, when Somewhere With You came out, my friends started texting me saying, Keith Urban is talking about your Kenny Chesney song. Uh, he's telling his fans to buy it. I think he made a little link for it in the pre- iTunes days or whatever. And Keith Urban did not know who wrote the song. He didn't know who I was. He just liked it. You can imagine what a wild feeling that was. And I was at a songwriter award show downtown. Everyone's dressed up. I was in the men's room washing my hands. And I just kind of looked over and standing there at the wall stall was uh, Keith Urban. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and so I waited for him. I invented the long hand wash. I just stood there and he came up and I uh, you know, introduced myself to him. And he was so cool and so humble. He said, mate, what a song. If I had just heard that before anyone else, I would have done it. And I said, God, that's just crazy. Cause you know, I sent it to your record company and your manager. <laughs> so he said, um, what you, you take my phone number. He put his number into my phone. If you can believe that I texted him at like seven in the morning the next day, which was not good. <laughs> he didn't answer me back, but uh, we became friends. He eventually called once again, Keith Urban. He said, these are the guitar chords. This is the drum beat I want. And I want it to be a song about looking back at a relationship. He was like an architect with a blueprint of the song. 
And he couldn't have been nicer or more talented, so I was so glad to write with him. Uh, Sangria by Blake Shelton, which, Mike, we did, back in our parody days, we did a parody of this. Yeah. You know what oh, was? that's flattered. That's great. You know what it was? Tortilla. Oh, that's what it was. Tortilla. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> We're buzzing like that no vacancy sign out front. Ooh. Your skin is begging to be kissed by a little more than the sun. You take my hand. I'm going to roll through a couple more of these real quick. Here is yeah. Different for Girls by Dirks and L, right? L King, yeah. Who's just on? And here is Beers and Sunshine by Darius. So now that we've heard your expert work, now if that's we, not enough for you. Flip over right. to the Craig Wiseman Bobcast, people. Come on, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> and you know, you come in and you have a book. So I always like to lay out what would make you an expert and why people would want to read what you have to say. And so, and we'll get on to some more of your life stuff in a minute. But Party Like a Rockstar, the book. What's why did you decide you wanted to write a book, and what do you think people are going to get from it? Great question. So I played a show here at the Listening Room. And writing a book wasn't on my mind at all. There was a lady in the audience who I'd never met, didn't know anything about her, but I would like to give her a shout out. I've never heard of her before. Her name is Dana Perino. Some people may know her. I didn't. She's on TV. She started saying, I saw this guy, JT, at the listening room. I think he should write a book. So she actually called around. So I got this book deal. It's not only the stories behind all these hits, which are all co-written, by the way. I've had a lot of help. And uh, basically, it's a story of my life. I didn't know anybody in the music business. I just loved listening to the radio. When MTV came booming into my living room, it felt like, I felt like Dorothy going from black and white Oz, you know, I'm sorry, black and white Kansas into Technicolor Oz. I just couldn't believe it. Michael Jackson with the sidewalk lighting up, you know, Madonna singing like a virgin in a wedding dress, David Lee Roth, like Bruce Lee with a jetpack on. I looked down the back of my CDs and they all said Sunset Boulevard. So before my friend's graduation caps were even thrown in the air, I was already living on the most unglamorous corner of uh, Hollywood. And I had a job, and I made my first, uh, at a used clothing store, I made my first demo with money. I won on VH1 Rock and Roll Jeopardy. I'm glad you weren't on it. You probably would have beat me. You went on Rock and Roll Jeopardy? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, Bobby, I annihilated the competition. Did, you know, when my friends did, when did, my did, friends were studying the SAT, I was studying MTV. And no, that's not in my book. It should be. It was the guy from that eventually Jeff went Probst. on to Survivor. Yes. Yeah, Jeff Probst. Yeah. How'd you know that? I don't know. I retain. I'm pretty good at trivia, but yeah. I and I wanted to say that, and so I just said Jeff. And then if you were gonna say yeah, yeah, I was yeah. gonna act like it. I so he it. stood real close to me when he talked, and I would like I would jerk my head back like some spit hit my face, and I wiped my eye off. Oh, the audience was going crazy, and they were like, "We need to edit edit out all these jokes." But you know, I was trying to get noticed. How but. much did you win on Rock and Roll Jeopardy? Was it one episode? Did you stay up and keep um, winning? It was just one episode. I won twenty five hundred dollars. I didn't get the final Jeopardy, but I remember it like it was last night. Can I give you the question? Yeah, sure. Okay, Final Jeopardy, ding, 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 ding. The category is female singers. She is a member of the Royal British Army. She had 10 top 10 hits in the 80s, which is a lot, and she starred in the biggest movie of 1978. I got it wrong. But I bet $1 because I knew they couldn't beat me because I was up so much. Oh, good. Yeah. So, British. She's probably born in the 60s then. There we go, Mike, with the sound. <laughs> and you didn't say number ones, but again, on the pop chart, a top 10 song, pretty ubiquitous whenever it gets everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like a and Debbie biggest, Harry. I don't, biggest movie of... Oh, the movie, the, the movie. biggest movie of 1978. I saw him writing like, his answer down. I stopped him. And the, solo artist, huh? Because Debbie Harry's in a band. Yeah. I know, man. I got it wrong after just crushing it. All right, let me give me... 
10 more seconds. Let's see. Who's a British solo female? Do I know her? Would I know her? Oh, yes, yes. You're listening to hit writer JT Harding on the Bobcast with Bobby Bones. It does feel like hold music, doesn't it? Whenever you listen to it. Press one to speak Arkansasian. Yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm not know. Go ahead. Olivia Newton-John and the I, movie is Grease. I feel like she's Australian. She is. That's the trick question. They're oh, my goodness. Rule. I know. That's what. Oh, and I'm I was such not, an idiot. Yeah, I'm not trying to trick you. They tricked me, too. Because yes. I thought Olivia Newton-John, but she's Australian. That's why I came I back know. so quick. I was like, not her. She's- that, yeah, they, it, was, it, was, it was awful. But I won, and I, I used um, that money to make my demo. Now, this was pre-internet, so I couldn't just call a record company. I didn't know anybody. But I knew a girl whose roommate worked at FedEx. So I borrowed the FedEx jacket. I mean, this is like some of the stunts you pulled, right? And like Obi-Wan Kenobi just sauntering into the Death Star, I walked into every record company with the FedEx jacket past the security That's guards. funny. Past the promotion guys chewing on their golf tees. Oh, and I put my CD in every mailbox in LA, yeah. And then <laughs> did anything come of all of the CD placement? Uh, no, but then I got a job at Tower Records on Sunset and I, I was so naive I, that something could happen. I'll work at Tower, and everyone that makes records will come in here. I passed my CD out to everyone. Every celebrity came in there, too. Michael Jackson, Kurt Cobain, Sly Stallone. I tried to give them all my demo. I got a record deal. The guy that signed, Tracy Chapman, we all remember her, Fast Car. He came in. I recognized his name from the record, and I made a record with him with John Mellencamp's band in New York. Got a big check, release date, all that stuff. Flew back to L.A., put a band together, tour dates. And they never called me again. <laughs> My heart's been broken by the music business more than the ice cream machine at McDonald's on Broadway has been broken, people. What do you mean they never called you again? They, they invented ghosting. I never heard from them. But the you record, had a deal. The record was shelved. Yes, and, and you, know, you would think that that 80 grand would make me feel better, but it wouldn't. But do you mind if I continue? I was worn out. I'd been in L.A. for five years chasing my dream. I decided to take a break and recharge. I get a job working for the superstar band Linkin Park. This is all true. About six months, six guys in the band, really great, very low maintenance. I would not talk about my music, but they would see me working on my songs sometimes. And then I would put the guitar down. One night, I'll never forget it, in Kansas City, sold out. They asked me to open up for them. What were you doing for them? Um, getting uh, their stage clothes washed, which were pretty much their street clothes. That's a great question. They would have food after the show. I would make sure to order it. Always check the food as it's delivered because you don't want the food to be wrong. And putting out magic markers for their, for their autograph sessions. They were very low maintenance, okay. and they couldn't have been nicer. So one night in Kansas City, they said, you want to open up for us? I said, you betcha I do. I mean, it was, like, it was like, a, like, a, like a bachelor walking to his wedding. So check it out. I think the opening band was Slipknot and then Linkin Park. I went on in between them <laughs> with my acoustic guitar. Now listen to anyone out there, if you ever get the chance to stand on stage, and like Bobby has, in front of 30,000 people holding a guitar, the spotlight on you, and hearing every one of them go, you suck, you suck. It gives you a chill, doesn't it? They were booing so loud, you couldn't even hear anything. But Linkin Park had asked me to stay out there, so I was, or asked me to be out there, so I said, I'm going to stay out here. So I finally said, all right, Kansas City. I, hang on a second, Kansas City. They're booing. Real- Does anyone out here like Ozzy Osbourne? And there was like a little bit of a rumble. And I said, well, here's some Joan Osbourne. What if God was? <laughs> Anything not tied down was thrown at me. Bottles, lighters, coins. I got struck in the head with a coin, and I was bleeding from the head. And the audience starts roaring like a jet engine starting. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm winning him over because I'm about to die out here. Little did I know. Chester Bennington, the superstar lead singer, had come out on stage to rescue me. And bless his heart, he's, he's passed away now. 
He takes me off stage. The next day in the newspaper, there's a picture of Chester and I. His arm is around me. I'm bleeding from the head. We're on stage. It's above the review. That picture is actually in my book. And the little paragraph says, the opening act was a one-man band. Despite bleeding from the head, his name is J.T. Harding. Despite bleeding from the head, he finished a two-song promising set. And believe it or not, there was some kid in the audience got one of my long-lost demos by the tour bus. I don't even really remember handing him out. His dad called someone, and they called someone in Nashville, and they said, we saw this guy, JT. You've got you to call him up. And that's how I got my deal in Nashville. Can you imagine that? So failed record deals, getting kicked out of record companies, booed off stage in front of Lincoln Park, and little did I know the universe was like leading me here, and, I, and I'm very grateful to be here. At number nine is one of Bobby and I's favorite new artists, Morgan Wade from episode 332. She put out one of Bobby's favorite country albums in a really long time, and she talked all about that and her song Wilder Days, how she started out writing songs in secret, and how she has over 100 tattoos. So here is Morgan Wade at number nine. In the house that you grew up in, you know, were you raised to speak up and speak your mind? Or were you raised to, you know, just bide your time, find your place? Yeah, you know, it, it's, I was such a quiet kid. It was like, it, I say that, I, I was quiet, but it was also not quiet. It just depended on the moment. Um, I, I don't really feel like I grew up in a house where we, you know, really spoke our minds very often. My parents divorced when I was like five. Um, and so I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house, which, you know, felt like the, the safest place for me back then. But uh, my grandma really let me just be whoever I wanted to be. You know, saying my grandmother adopted me for a while, but your grandmother being such a strong influence on you, what what was she like as a woman? Yeah, she, you know, she gave me some really good advice one time, and it, it was just, I was just so upset, you know, about different things, and I remember she was just like, "Don't try to be like anybody else. Don't put, you know, all of your happiness in one person." I'll, I'll never forget that. I was in her front yard. I was probably like, you know, eleven or twelve, and she's like, "Just stop putting." everything into into other people like you know you got to have that inside of yourself and and so she she was always very just supportive of me being me um i, I have like a, a really fond memory um we couldn't figure out she she got really sick and uh i remember she she had double vision and we couldn't figure it out and i had guitar lessons and she put a patch over her eye so she could drive me to guitar lessons that day you mm-hmm. know it was just stuff like that that was like really important to her Wow, it sounded like she sacrificed a lot. She did, yeah. Was she like a mom to you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my, my grandma was like my best friend there for, you know, like a really long time. And So was she in on your decision to pursue music? Because um, it sounds like she was influencing it a bit. She was, she was influencing it. She uh, she passed away not actually not long after that. I think I was 13 when she... She finally passed away. We found out she actually had pancreatic cancer the whole time that, you know, she'd been going through all that. But I I just, uh, we would always ride around and, and listen to music. It was funny because she grew up in a different generation. So it was it was funny sometimes. The songs that would be on the radio, she'd be like, I really, I really don't like that song. Not a fan of that song. <laughs> um, but she would, you know, let me listen to, to whatever, and, and we would ride around in the car. And, and then, but even my other, my other grandmother was, was big into music um, as far as, like, listening to old records and, and CDs and stuff like that with her. And she comes out to all my shows now, and so she's been very supportive. So it's been very fortunate. But it, it was something that I kind of kept to myself. Like, I played instruments and stuff, but I didn't sing for anybody. So where would you play, though? 
like at the, at the house or were you playing? Yeah, it was just it. I remember it just being like such a secret and I'm, I'm still not entirely sure why it was such a secret, but I would write and like sing and stuff until I'd see, you know, one of my parents come home and then I'd put it away. So like I didn't want anybody to hear me. Um, why do you think that is? Like deep down, why do you think that is? It, it, I was told one t- there was a there was a singing group at school and I was the only kid that didn't make it. And I was told my voice was weird and that just stuck with me. It's like, all right, no more. No more. I'm not doing that. And and I was I was sensitive, very sensitive. And I mean, you know, you're young like that, and you, you get told that. And so I was like, all right, you know, it's just for me, which I think benefited me the most because I enjoy doing it, so I kept doing it. But, you know, you can be really honest with yourself. If you're not, you know, out there trying to impress anybody, it was just something I did to, like, cope. And um, so that's how I write now. You know, it's the only way I know to write. Your entire project is A+. plus. <laughs> And, and I haven't said that about anything, and probably, maybe Old Dominion, but other than that, and like a couple Casey records ago, like it's as good as anything I've heard in years. Thank you. Like just, yeah. just love it, and um, I mean from from the beginning. I mean, and Wilder Days is the first song on the record, right? It's the first. Yeah, it's yeah. track one, and it's yeah. the first one you wrote. Yeah. Why? Why put that one up front? Was it because you wrote it first? I think we just really, I think it's important, especially to, like, anybody goes, a a record comes out, and you click on that first song right there, you want to hook them in. Like, don't just put some kind of weird something on there. Like, I wanted to put the best foot forward, and and, uh, Sadler Sadler did too. And I think it made sense. It was was the song that we based the whole album around. It was the first one, and, and to me, I think that's really important. You get that real core piece of that record and then you you're like okay this is the direction i want to take it and so it made it made sense to put it first let me play a clip of wilder days here you go so let's talk about this song specifically where did you write it who'd you write it with so i'd actually wrote kind of a version of Wilder Days myself, and I and that's what I'd pitch to Sadler, and he's like, "All right, this is this is great." Obviously, needed to change some things up, and um, so we we kind of sat down and 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 like I said, I had to draft it out, but we made a lot of changes, and and I'm I'm so glad we did. I I found the old version of it that I had written one day, and I listened to it, and I was like, "Dear God." I would never want anybody to hear this version of it. But we, we sat down and, and really, he helped me too as a writer. You know, I'd never co-written with anybody. And so he really helped kind of push me to, to dig a little deeper and, and, and be more honest and authentic with it. And um, so we, God, we worked on that song. I'll never forget. There's just like parts of it, like the Wilder Days, just singing Wilder Days. I stood in front of that microphone for a solid 45 minutes singing that one line over and over and over. And I, I was like, I never want to hear this song again. Which which part? I wish I did in your wild- wilder days. Like that yeah. that part of it. He made me see, And he was in his kitchen shredding chicken for tacos. And he would be like, yeah, you can keep going. I think you can. <laughs> and I'd, I could sing that part in my sleep now. I hated it. But he, I remember we finally finished that song up. It was like 11 p.m. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to bed. He's like, no, 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 we're going to go to Jenny's Ice Cream, and we're going to listen to this. So we go, and we get in his Honda Element, and he is blasting Wilder Days as long as he, or as loud as he possibly can on our way to get Jenny's Ice Cream at, like, 11 p.m. But he was so excited, and that's how I know. I was like, man, this man, 
believes in me more than, you know, anybody else. Does everyone go straight to the tattoos first? Um, most of the time, yeah. They're like, oh, hi, what's up with the, what's up with the tattoo and kissing K- K-Tex? Uh, what's yeah. up with the tattoos? <laughs> yep. And so what is your stock answer when someone goes, oh, what's up with the tattoos? Yeah, I, a lot of times I'm just like, oh, I forgot I had tattoos. You know, I just say something like, and then they're just like, okay, this girl's. When did, because you mentioned earlier, and I, I've held on to it because I'm the same way. I get addicted to things quickly and hard. Mm-hmm. When did the tattoo thing start, and was it all at once? Or did you just kind of just mess around with it a little bit? No, no. Um, also, my freshman year of college, um, I remember I was sitting in my, like, apartment, and one of my friends was there, and she was just like, I think you would like tattoos. I don't know why she said that, and I was like, I should do that. I think I had $90 in my bank account. <laughs> and I went and I got a tattoo, and then I was just like, okay, I really like this. And I I think a few weeks later, I went and got like three more at one time. A few weeks later? Yeah. And- I got paid between them. <laughs> 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 with, with the goal of covering... Is the goal now to cover your whole body? No, I, I don't really know what my goal is anymore. I'm going to be honest with you. The, you know, getting tattoos at 19 and then getting tattoos now at 27, the pain is a lot different. I swear it hurts more now. It And maybe it's just because I've ran out of all the easy spots. Um, I used to say, oh, I'm just going to get like one. I have one on the inside of my arm. I was like, that's it. And, you know, it was like, I won't go past here. And I promised my mom I wouldn't go past here. And then... Here we are, and I have my throat tattooed, and literally— Boy, the throat's hardcore, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. It really was not—it wasn't It wasn't bad. My chest is not filled in because that hurts so bad. I felt that in my throat. I didn't feel my throat at all. So you, your chest, you felt? Yeah, in my throat. But the throat— but the throat, you didn't feel in your throat? No. You felt no, that in, like, your knee? Or what? I didn't feel it. <laughs> it the, the throat really wasn't that bad. I it, mean, I would like to relate. I've got, like, four or five. But the only thing that hurt me was— up near this crease of the arm. Yeah. But that's like, I'm like a second grader being like, look at my boo-boo. <laughs> and you're like a college graduate, like that's nothing, kid. No, no, it, I complain like the whole time. But yeah, my mom used to be kind of like, please don't. But I mean, the other day she was like, when did you get that, that clover on your hand? I was like, oh, coach. She's like, that's really cute. I'm just like, what is happening? It does in a way, not that you need it, but especially whenever you're being introduced, it does legitimize you as, like, I'm an artist. Like, regardless of of how you feel about me or if you like my music, mm-hmm. like, I'm an artist. I'm not a, a, a prepared little PR singer. Yeah. Like, you are a legitimate artist before you even hear you sing because visually you go, well, this girl doesn't have around. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. 
Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. At number eight is Breland. He is a guy who came in and immediately you know he means business. I think one of the smartest guys we've had on the podcast to date. This is one Bobby really had to focus in on because Breland was coming with it at all angles. He is a great new artist if you haven't checked out his music yet. But here is Breland talking about the person who told him he would never have a career as a solo artist and what his mission statement is in country music. Breland at number nine. And if you want to go back and hear this full episode, it's episode number 345. Growing up with parents that performed, Mm -hmm. did they want you to stay away from performance because they had really spent a lot of time seeing that it's not as glamorous as it seems? Yeah, I mean, they both, they they tried when I was a kid to do music professionally and they put together a couple projects that, uh, you know, didn't really make the waves that they thought it would. And I watched them struggle to get these albums and songs in the Christian world, uh, you know, and just didn't really materialize. And I also think, you know, having kids, they had to prioritize the jobs that were paying them. Uh, so I, I don't know if they were ever like, don't do it, but they were also like, get get an education and make sure that it, you can learn other skills that can be applied different places if it doesn't work out, you know? But um, I don't know if they discouraged me from from pursuing it so much as be cautious and, and understand that, it's a small percentage of people that do it. And if you're going to do it, it's going to be because you were supposed to do it. And so talented. You're only going to make it if you're so talented. It's all about the talent, bro. It's It's 100% talent, talent, 0% anything else, baby. So you go to college. Did you graduate? I did. Nice. When you moved to Atlanta, Mm -hmm. did you have anyone there that said, hey, come on, I'll kind of lead you through this town? Yes, yes. Um, You know, the, the, the true story behind that is that I was working under a producer that was very adamant about me 
only being a songwriter. And uh, I say that because when I first met him, I was I was like, I'm a songwriter artist. And he was like, you're not an artist. You don't have what it takes to be an artist. You're just a songwriter. And over time, I realized that he really just wanted to be able to control what it was that I was doing. And if I was able to tap into my artistry, it would become something that he couldn't control as easily. Uh, and so, that, someone literally said you're not. Yeah, good he enough. said you're not an artist. You don't have it. He um, li- he said you don't have it. Yes. Wow. He said you don't have it. And and this is someone in Atlanta who, you know, has won a few Grammys. He's had number ones. He's had success over a long amount of time. So I trusted his judgment. Do you believe he believed you didn't have it? No. Okay. I do not believe that he believed I didn't have it because as soon as it happened, he was like switched up quick. Like I always knew you had it. I'm like, you didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely didn't say that. So, uh, you know, I guess just kind of being in Atlanta also put me on to different types of personalities that exist in the music industry. There are people that want to help you genuinely and then there are people that want to take advantage of you and if you're not discerning you could mistake one for the other and so i thought this is someone that prides himself publicly on mentorship uh and and having apprentices and and people being able to go on and have successful careers outside of him but he was actively doing the opposite in my relationship with him and so i thought he was trying to help me as it turned out it was more of a predatory business relationship. So, how do you see that and what do you do once it sets in that this is not something that's healthy? Yeah, when you I mean, I think in any situation once you discover that that person doesn't have your best interest. But what told you? I mean, like some there had to be something to trigger a, that. It was though, a right? couple it was a couple things like, you, you know, don't have to be specific. Uh, I just yeah, wondered it, how it, you find it. Couple couple things, you know, I I first brought my truck in and was like, "Hey, this is a song that I wrote as a demo and I would like to put it out. And he was like, I hate it. It sucks. Like you got to go back to doing what you were doing before. I told you already, you're not an artist. And I was like, just didn't sit right with me. You know, that was a, that was a red flag because I had already posted a snippet on Instagram and people loved it. You know, I was like, I think people like this song, you know? And so I put it out anyway, a couple months later, it starts to go viral on TikTok. And he was the first one to be like, those numbers don't mean anything. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, even with data, he was even with the data. So I was like, bro, like (laughs) you're literally not, you're not acknowledging a thing that I've done. And if you can't champion my success outside of you, then you aren't championing me at all. Uh, And, and being able to recognize some of those red flags of, of things that I had even maybe overlooked or ignored over the past few years before that ultimately is part of what brought me to Nashville is I was like, I would like a a fresh start. Uh, I'm an artist. I want to be around people that can respect me as an artist. And when you talk at the beginning of this conversation about, you know, being able to garner that respect, that's, that's what I came here for. I came here to be able to pursue this thing and have the support in the city and and among my peers of, of feeling like I can actually do this. I guess the last question I'll ask about your time in Atlanta is why if someone believed that you could provide something, did they not scoop it up themselves? Meaning mm-hmm. if if I were a producer, owned a record label, I don't even yeah. know who the guy was. Um, I don't know there was a guy. I'm both yeah. saying he was a guy. Okay. Why would he not, if he believed in you, go, hey, I'd like to sign you myself. Like, I believe in you. Why don't we do a development? So he yeah. did have that without investing yeah. a lot into it. It, 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 comes down to, it comes down to mindset and also just how good of a business person are you. He, he fumbled the bag. 
<laughs> truth be told, but also in a lot of ways it comes down to mindset. So uh, you can operate in life with a scarcity mindset or you can operate from an abundance mindset. When you operate from a scarcity mindset, you make decisions like the types of decisions that he made, uh, which is like y- you operate very selfishly. Uh, and when you operate from an abundance mindset, it's like, hey, there's there are a lot of resources here for everyone to be able to win. And then you provide opportunities for people for them to be able to get their own. So if you're creating opportunities for people and, and genuinely want to see them succeed, then you know it's a different type of perspective than the people who are like, no, everything has to come back to me. So I think ultimately it was just a difference in mindset. And I also think, you know, at least in my situation, I'm sure you have these two. It helps if you also have a mission statement. So for me, my mission statement right now as an artist is that I want to help make country music more inclusive. I want to inspire people who don't listen to country music and write it off as a thing that's not for them. I want to inspire them to to be a part of it and be a part of the community because I think the more diverse country music is, the more country music can interact and, and, and collaborate across the aisle with other genres, the better that is for culture. And so the style of country music that I make is not traditional, but I would argue that it is still within the format and why I do it the way that I'm doing it is because I'm trying to reach across the aisle and, and make a space that is more reflective of what the world looks like. That's a long mission statement. Did you write that down, Mike? That is one, that's a, it's about 45 that's like a, seconds. That's a long I don't one. Know if that's going to let me, let me, so let me shorten it. Somewhere. Let me shorten it to like Go 10 ahead. words. Yeah. I am trying to make country music for everyone. Yeah, it's easier to remember. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's quicker, not, right? I was trying to think of that I should, one versus I should have led with that. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I know you've experienced this far greater than what I did, but I'll give you an example. When I moved to town, I was the guy. Now, it didn't matter that I grew up in a rural town in Arkansas, right. and my life was all country music until I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But since I worked on hip-hop stations and pop stations and did sports talk and did all mm-hmm. I wasn't country. And I fought it. So I, for, my life was miserable mm. for two and a half, three years. Yeah. Because everywhere I went, I wasn't country. Now, when I was pop, I was too country. Right. Because I didn't fit because I had an accent. Mm-hmm. And so that is what I dealt with for a while here. Yeah. And by your last statement, when you talk about having a more inclusive country music, mm-hmm. that comes from a place of experience, it sounds like. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm assuming that you're getting that now, too, where you're not country people are saying that yeah people definitely will say that i'm not country also it's funny when you when you look up breland on google at least for a while people were like is breland a country <laughs> like oh, like a literal country land like iceland or greenland or something um but no i mean I, i've never tried to authenticate or validate how country i am because the truth is i'm from new jersey from a small town in new jersey but at the end of the day i think that the version of country music that really resonates with me isn't location specific so much as it is, are you telling a true story to your experience or to someone's experience? And if you can express that thought in a way that is both linear and heartfelt, there's country roots in it. And to me, that's the thing that I'm trying to get at more in the music that I'm writing and the music that I'm releasing is let me let me tell stories let me tell my story and 
let me tell stories that resonate with people, whether or not it's, you know, specifically rural or Southern or, you know, fits, checks any of those boxes. It's like, can you, can you tell a story? And, and is that story real for someone or yourself? The answer to that is yes, then it's country to me. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So, stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. At number seven is one I knew once I booked it, it was going to be one of our most downloaded episodes of the year, and it easily was, and it was just a really great, honest conversation. And this is from episode 356 with Tyler Hubbard of Florida Georgia Line. He came on and talked about the crazy gift he got from Garth Brooks and what led to Florida Georgia Line breaking up. So at number seven, here's Tyler Hubbard. All right, Tyler Hubbard is here. Hey, something I was going to ask, I was talking to Aldine. I said, hey, Jason just said Garth gave him this Rolex. I said, so what's the story? And he said, well, I, I hopped on the Garth, like maybe like a, a tribute album or a duet album or something. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And he said, Garth showed up. He goes, but heck, he showed up to the FGL guy's house with free Jeeps. Yeah, well, the Jeep and a motor, he gave me a motorcycle and gave BK a Jeep. Isn't that crazy? So what happened? So how Jason made it sound is like he's like the Easter Bunny and he just shows up <laughs> and he's got stuff. A hundred percent, just like the Easter Bunny. 
So I was in the middle. Know, you didn't know he was coming or anything? Nope. BK and I were on Music Row in our uh, building in, a, in the middle of a right, and uh, our manager at the time walked in and said, hey, uh, Garth Brooks just randomly showed up and wants to see you guys. He's actually out <laughs> in the street, and uh, he's got like a trailer behind his truck. So we went out there and saw him, and hey, Garth, how are you? Holy cow, good to And he was like, well, I, you know, thank you for being on this project with me. I think at the time it wasn't supposed to come out, or he was bummed because it wasn't. So he felt bad or something. He was also thankful. He was like, thank you for you know, doing this with me. I actually got you a Jeep BK, and Tyler, I hear you like motorcycles, so I got you a little something. It's awesome Indian motorcycle. And then he just closes up the trailer. He was by himself, drove his truck, uh, parked it right in the middle of Music Row, unloaded the toys, and then closed his trailer up and drove off and hit a, hit a sign on the way off, this was <laughs> the best part of the whole thing. But anyways. When you guys were launched out of a cannon, more so than almost anybody that I've seen in my 10 years here, mm-hmm. um, that seemed from the outside in like it came quick. Like that success and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're, you're rich and it's just like, what's happened? Yeah. I mean, I can totally relate to that. I tell the story occasionally. I might have told you this story, but... I'll never forget one of the pivotal moments that I, I'll never forget. I'll tell my kids, but I remember being over in Berry Hill recording our first album, and we were literally working on Cruise, um, which, you know, who, who'd have known at the time that that song was going to do what it did? Um, and I was coming back from lunch, and I was sitting in the parking lot literally checking my bank account, and I had $12 left in, in my bank account, which was, you know, and at the time, you know, I didn't, I didn't have uh, a resource to go to other than what, where's the next car I'm going to wash, you know? And so for me... I knew the next day I can't go to the studio because I got to go work because I'm I'm down to pretty much one mil left. And so, and that was in 2011. I mean, that was right before it all took off. And I, that's kind of the, that's all I sort of knew for, you know, college was like that, obviously. And that's kind of like that for a lot of people. And then that that was three years out of college. So, I'm you know, I'm sitting there with a degree and, and just grinding and trying to figure it out and really just trying to not get a real job so that I can, uh, or continue to be self-employed, I should say, so that I can pursue songwriting you know because that was the ultimate goal but yeah i mean to think from that year i mean a year after that i mean the stress level went way down and the money was coming in and it was like oh man the the patience and the and the uh and the grind was starting to pay off and when did you start to feel like you were good enough not to be great but good enough to be good enough to pay the bills well we started i would say senior year um, I ran into BK, and at that time, I was starting to play like writer's rounds and stuff. I was starting to get enough courage to like get out, and I had written a handful of songs that I was proud enough to play. <clears throat> then I met BK, and we started doing our thing together and writing songs and playing writer's rounds together. Where'd you meet um, him? At Belmont. Yeah, yeah, he played baseball. And uh, so we kind of connected dots and realized, oh, we both like writing songs on the side. We both, let's get together and hang and see where it goes. And so we started playing like Hotel Indigo together quite a bit. Um, as and, a unit or just Tyler and at Brian? first it was just me and BK and then like we would get another writer or two we just do like a round and then eventually as we wrote more songs together we had enough to be like hey let's just me and you do the round I'll sing some of yours you sing some of mine we'll sing the ones we did together and then and then eventually we ended up like why don't we pull the stools away and stand up and then turn into like a did you have a different name <clears throat> did, did you name it different things no we, we we landed it on Florida Georgia line pretty quick um, but that was when it was one night after a Hotel Indigo Riders Round where we were hanging out and drinking with some friends at the house, and somebody said, "Hey, you guys should start a, you guys should make a name and and start a thing, you know." And that's what. Well, what would it be? Well, let's re- you know, let's have something that represents who we are and where we're from, and that was about that was about as simple as it was, and it stuck. So, what does indefinite? What's the term you guys use? Indefinite hiatus. 
What's, what was the official With term? FGL? Yeah, because I'm sure you, uh, you sat my, in a room. My, not, official, not, yeah. my official thing was we're not breaking up. We're just taking a break. So, yeah, for me, I mean, I told BK, you know, let's we're going to give this 100% and we're going to both build something great and then we can reassess. Five, ten years down the road, we can Five, reassess. Five, ten years. But I'm not talking, yeah. But for me, this is the thing that I'm going to be doing for, uh, for a while. You, you get know? a million bucks to play a wedding together? Uh, Probably not. Probably not right now. You guys get along right now? Yeah. Completely. I mean, yeah, we don't hang out on the weekends. BK's my bro, and I love him, and we've, you know, created a lot of life together. And uh, when we get back together and play shows, it's it's a good time for sure. A lot of people, and you probably heard it yourself, say those guys do not like each other. That's why they split up, or it was, yeah. or it was political, right? You know, I'm sure you've heard that too. And if I don't ask this, people are gonna kill me online. No, so I ask. I'm glad you are. Was it? a political division that caused you guys to go, we can't do this as a unit anymore. I'm so glad you asked because nobody does ask. And the problem is at the time, we didn't want to talk about what was going on internally or I should take that back. BK did not want to talk about what was going on. I wanted to talk about the shifts that were happening, the decisions that were being made, the conversations that were being had. I really in America wanted to or the inform- band? Sorry, in the band, within the band. But I also wanted to respect BK's desire not to talk about it. And so it, I didn't feel like it was my place to tell his story with his decision and his, you know, everything that he's the one that initiated this whole solo thing in the first place. So I didn't feel like it was my job to, or my responsibility and so basically nothing got said. So it created confusion in which everyone started creating their own narrative at that point to have something to try to f- understand why in the world would these guys not be, you know, why would they want to go do their own thing? And so at the time, it was in the middle of the big political, it was actually literally around the same time that the uh, election happened and all that. And So that was kind of, people just said, well, it's political, you know. But ultimately, no, it was never political. Me and BK don't, we definitely don't see eye to eye on every single thing, but we don't have any animosity about it. You know what I mean? We totally agree to disagree on certain things. We talk about it. We've never had any beef over any kind of politics. Did you hear that people were going, you guys are fighting? Oh, I would see it all the time. I still do. Because people say, why are they breaking up? And then someone else will say, oh, it's political. And I'm like, which kind of bothers me. I've just sort of decided like not to let it bother me. But I'm like, because they got to, they got to um, blame it on something. Other than they can't just say, oh, the guys really just want to have some individuality and do something different. They've been doing this for 10 years. <laughs> like So, so yeah, I mean, we can blame it on that if we want to. But ultimately, uh, it does bum me out because I'm like, no, that's not the narrative. That's not the story. Because you're going out on the Keith tour. So where are you playing? Is it Ingrid, you, Keith? Yep. And then how long as the main support, how long do you get a set there? 60 minutes set. You get an hour? Wow. Yeah. That's jumping right in the deep end. Rocking. Yeah. So when you, jeez, that's awesome. Yeah. Because you have to, you have to get it quick. That's, yeah, we'll be. Br- yeah, exactly. That's why I say after this fall tour, like I'll be ready. Wow. Yeah. So when you play your sixty-minute set, and they're like, "Here's Tyler Hubbard." Obviously, I was talking to Ronnie Dunn about it because he, you know, he's like, he's like, I got, I'm gonna go out and play some shows for my solo spot yeah. now, and he's like, but. I'll always play some of the Brooks and Dunn's, always. He's like, it doesn't matter. Like, people know me from that. I got to stay true to that, even though I'm going right. to do this new project. So what is your goal there? Because regardless of, let's say you have 20 number ones in a row, you're still part of Florida Georgia Line, mm-hmm. how you were introduced to folks. Right. So is your dream to not play those songs solo? No. I, no. It'll all be kind of depending on the amount of time that I have. But I definitely want to have a moment in the show that'll probably be rooted in my songwriting you know and i'll get to play some we can call them covers now but songs that i've written whether it's an al dean song or um you know any of the songs i've written or fgl songs i want in my show i wanted to tell my story and that's a big part of my story so i you know 
in, in being a part of writing those songs. And so I think it'll be fun to, you know, within the context of telling my story, go in and play a few FGL songs. But ultimately, I don't know if the Keith set's going to allow it because we were having rehearsal last week and we were kind of working through it and we're like, man, you know, we've we've worked up like 13 of the new songs and it's just like really hard to not want to play those new ones. And so, uh, so I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do yet, whether, whether or not we're going to play, you know, some covers in the 60-minute set or wait and do that, you know, next year. But... This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. At number six from episode 357 is Bailey Zimmerman, and this is one we really had no idea what to expect when he came into the studio. He is such a new artist, and this is one of the first interviews that he's ever done in his career that he was very raw and honest, and we both found that very refreshing, and he just has an incredible story of how he really fell into music by accident and is now crushing it on streaming numbers, just had his first number one of his career, so it's been a really big year for Bailey Zimmerman. So here he is talking about how he got started in music all by accident. What are you attributing? Because obviously you have a big social media presence. But um, what I read, though, was you didn't start off doing music on any sort of social media. Like even TikTok, Mm. you were just showing off trucks. So let's go back then before music. You said, I'm going to get on. And did you plan to just do it for like your small circle? Or did you go, I got some real, I think truck people will follow me. I'm going to create a brand here. So I start. there's this girl in my hometown, it was Walmart, and she was a cashier, and she was like, I was flirting with her, and I was like, I'm going to catch you on TikTok, because I had posted one video, and it did just a, you know, a couple thousand, and she was like, you'll never hit 10,000 followers on TikTok. So I just kind of got it in me, I was like, well, I'm going to do that. So I started, I built this truck, I started just filming it and stuff, and putting sounds behind it, and then ended up getting a lot of traction, and then... I got hooked on truck shows. So then I started like taking going? It. Yeah, going. Taking, taking that truck Yeah, I truck took show. it from just like building trucks and posting it to like, oh, I think I'm going to start going to these shows and maybe get some, you know, try to win trophies. And I got hooked on that in 2019 and then just kept doing my truck stuff. And then one day I had never sang before and 
I was wanting to get out of the pipeline industry just because of not seeing family and being gone so much. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start building trucks as a profession. Not only am I going to post them, but I'm going to build other people's trucks. So me and my brother John started doing that. And like three days into business, I tried singing just in the shop. And this dude named Gavin Lucas from the same town I'm in was like, hey, man, I think you've got a cool voice. And I write songs. I can play guitar. Would you ever just want to hang sometime? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll hang sometime. I've never really watched anybody play guitar and sing at the same time. That's how it started? That's, That's how, how this it started? whole thing started, yeah. Dear God, I've never heard of a uh, more random, cooler, oops, but awesome story. It was very random. We, we like jammed like three times, and I was just so in awe of him playing guitar and singing at the same time. He's like writing, this guy can write songs. So one night we were hanging, and he said, hey man, tonight we should try to like really write a song and see if we can write songs. So... That was my first single, Never Coming Home. That night, we wrote the first verse. And mind you, this was like a week into hanging with Gavin. And we wrote the first verse and then posted it on TikTok that night at like 2 a.m. And I woke up. And I like, kid you not, I woke up, had almost 2 million views, a crazy amount of comments. I called my union that I was in that I pipelined with, quit. After one video and the next morning. Yeah. And you were already looking to get out. But listen, when there's not a paycheck coming. Yeah, yeah, we were laid off at the time, and got it. I just felt like, man, if I'm going to chase something, this is definitely something to chase. You know, you might as well try it. But what's funny is you're like, if I'm going to chase something, I guess it's this thing that just randomly popped up a couple of days ago. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, my you mom. Not, have you, did you never sing as a kid? My mom would always like tell me in the truck, like, oh, you should sing. I used to be able to sing before I started smoking cigarettes. I used to be able to sing and stuff, and I just always blew it off because that's my mom. You know, so I, I always just blew it off. And then over my life, I've had like three people tell me, man, I think you could sing. But I. But did you ever sing where people could actually hear you? No. It all started like two years from now or two years back from now. I like sang one day. And then after that, I had like three people tell me. And then sang the video. Where? Sang where? Just random, like a random place. I think it was up at the courts. Um in Florida, Illinois, like the basketball courts. Yeah, so what, what do you mean yeah. you're just like, just right here, me and you, and you're like, you are my sunshine? Yeah, it was they're Hurricane. Like, they're like, wow. You're saying Luke Combs Hurricane. Yeah, Luke Combs Hurricane. This kid named Trey Zudi was just jamming on a guitar, and I was real bored, and you always just went up to the basketball courts to hang out, and he was like jamming on a guitar, and I was like, I'll try to sing, and then I tried, and then I tried again, and then that video, I, I like was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. Like, what could it hurt if I tried singing? That's crazy. You're like a kid who's walking by a ball field, and you're like, oh, man, there's a ball laying down there. Let me just grab that. Oh, you, you have a glove on over there? Am I supposed to throw it to you? Yeah. Pow! 102-mile-an-hour fastball. And you're like, wow. So if I'm rewinding before the music stuff, because I'm, I'm so interested in your passion of uh, cars, trucks, building. Because mm-hmm. when, when you said to me when I got some money, I built a truck, I figured it was when you got some money from either stuff on social media, signing a deal, uh, but it was when you got some money, you saved up money from like working a real job. So when I got some money, I built my big truck. The one truck, I had no money. Dude, two years ago, I couldn't like afford my truck payment. I had no money. I was living with my mom, which I love my mom. But I was like 20, <laughs> almost 21, living with my mom. And I'm like, man, what am I going to do with my life? And pipeline's not working out. So I had no money. So I just budget built this truck. It was like, it was like painted. It wasn't so even... that truck you're talking about, that's the budget mm-hmm. truck you built. This is a truck you built when you're like, okay, I have some money for being creative. Yeah. 
That's crazy. I thought, man, if what if I just build the biggest truck, the biggest half-ton truck in America? What if I just build it, and then I try to brand me? Because my music isn't very party. It's like super sad and feelings and like, you know, what I'm feeling. So I thought, man, but I do want people to like ha- know that I have a good time too. <laughs> you so I built, a sad guy? Yeah, like I'm yeah. not always just this sad, really depressed dude in my house. You know, I do have fun. And so I thought, man, I'll build this huge truck and take it to truck shows. And maybe I can get my, my fans to come to these shows and see me that way as well. That's pretty cool. I'm kind of in awe of, of this story. And I've heard all the stories. I've never heard one quite like this. This is really cool. And you're, you're young, 22, 23? 22. Yeah. That's crazy. So you live with your mom at 20. You have no aspirations to be a performer. I'm yeah. No, it's not that you didn't want to. You just didn't even know that was the thing. Okay, so you, go, you graduated high school? Yep, graduated okay. high school. You finished high school. What kind of student were you? Terrible. Hated school. <laughs> I, I failed math. I failed but math. But which version of math? There's a lot of math. It like, was algebra like too. Algebra, yeah, if you're talking yeah. algebra, I'm not going to be like, I can't believe. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it algebra was sucks. so lame. So, you, okay, you, you graduated high school and... Does your truck fascination just generally come from your dad, do you think? It comes from a dude in my town named Wade Prather. I saw his huge truck when I was uh, 13, 12, 13, going to school every day. I just thought, man, one day if I can make some money and be able to build that, I would do that. So that's what I think that's where it all comes from. Your dad's a truck driver, was a truck driver? Yeah, he hauled cars and stuff. So did you learn about trucks and ha- actually the functionality of them and how they work and how to fix it from your dad at all? Yeah, working on motors. Okay. So it, it all started really with just like anything with a motor. I loved going fast. So I, I raced a lot of outdoor motocross, um, you know, from like 14 to 19 and 20. And dad and John always built race cars and dirt cars and trucks whatever they could build if they could like work on it they in would. your yard something was being worked on or built there was chassis and motors so that's the <laughs> early, that's the early fascination to me even if you don't know you're fascinated you're learning mm-hmm. sometimes just because you're around it mm-hmm. your dad's around it but then you go next level and you see somebody with a freaking awesome truck yeah and you're like i know how to do this but that's what i want yeah that's that so did you ever think about racing like with that that as being a, a career um, I wanted to so bad. I really did. I love, you know, racing outdoors and I always did love it, but kind of the same thing. That's even a harder just industry to get into. You got to be a top five contender to even make a living. Doing I, I hear it. you and, saying that honest to God. I do. And I respect that. But what yeah. you're doing right now is just as weird and odd and hard. Oh and, yeah. And, and lightning in a bottle and all. So when you're like, man, I don't know about what do you do? You can do anything. Apparently you, you're yeah. nailing it. You can be a ra- astronaut. Just go do it. Yeah. Hey, I tell people that. For the last two years, I truly believe a person can do anything and they ever want to do. And they're like, there's nothing is impossible. You can do anything. Is I it, just wasn't very fast on a dirt bike. Is this still weird to you? What's happening to you right now? Every day. Every day I wake up and I, I like call my mom and I'm like, hey, Bobby Bones just asked me to come be on a show. I'm this blown away that you're so normal. I'll be honest with you. I thought you're 22. You're killing it right now. Sometimes you may not even know how much you're killing it, but you're killing it. You're Town's talking about you, your style. And I'm like, oh, this guy's not a douche. Because <laughs> no. just the nature of this town, there's a, there's a good amount of douchebags because uh, yes, creative. And even if I think you're a douche, somebody else may not, but there's just enough. There's enough to always. And you're not. You're just a dude. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so refreshing. You're just a dude. And so, but I mean that in the best way of yeah. you know what you care about. You know, 
and you understand what's just happened to you and how crazy it is, and mm. you're still going full speed ahead at it, and like you're dedicated and mm. you're attacking this thing, and that is really freaking cool. Yeah, I just you got to man, like a year and a half ago, I I've I know where it's at, I know where being at the bottom is, I know how it feels to have nothing and feel like you you just have literally nothing, and now that I know, you know, in all honesty, how how it is to be you know, going towards the top or, or, or going and doing great things. So every day I wake up, I thank God for just letting me be here. What's First mom, of all, what's your mom say? Uh, she's always just like, no freaking way. That's crazy. <laughs> you know? And she'll like, she's like, this is just insane. And she'll like talk to herself. I'm like, this is just crazy. You know? So mom is like, I love talking to her about things. Cause she has no clue what's going on as, you know, just as much as I do. And I'll just be like, yo, I think I'm like flying on a private jet. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Like, how crazy is that, man? Is it, I, I just can't just like, I just sit back and I just smile. And I'm just like, this is insane. Have you done a lot of interviews? No, you're one of the very first. I've, I've ne- I don't think I've ever done an interview like this. Are you serious? I've never done anything like this. The, don't change. And it's going to be hard for you not to change because you get so jaded and also you, you'll get your label people and they'll do a good job for the most part. You're at a good place. Mm-hmm. You're at a good place. You're at Warner, right? Yeah. You're at Warner. That's, that's a, good, it's a good group. And so you already know how to talk. And some people who are great off mic come in and they aren't sure how to talk. But what you're doing is you're taking what's out there and you just bring it in here. Like that's the key. Yeah, I'm just talking to you. That's it. That's it. That's what I say. Never change. Yeah. That is going to do it for part one of the top 10 Bobby cast of 2022. Come back next week and see what made it into the top five. And if you're looking for more things to listen to, I also do a podcast where I talk about movies. It's called Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. If you love movies and want to hear interviews with actors and directors, get spoiler free reviews and recommendations of new things coming out in theaters and streaming, especially right now around the holidays, looking for something to watch. I have all of that over there for you on Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Search that wherever you get your podcasts or find the link in the notes of this episode. And I will talk to you next week here on the Bobbycast. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacova's.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today.
Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.